What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I am your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and most definitely messy stories. Guys, this conversation is going to provide you with a ton of value. Rob Schallenberger is a leading authority on planning and product. Rob Schallenberger is a leading authority on planning and productivity. He has worked with some incredible companies around the world, including the Dallas Cowboys. Some of the tools he shares in this podcast are going to help you. They've already helped me adjust my pre-week planning and help me to be a more intentionally engaged father. Rob is a father to four, so he knows what he's talking about, and he is also a rock star as he was an F-16 pilot in the Air Force for 11 years and was an advance agent for Air Force One. You guys, this is a great conversation. You're going to learn a ton. Enjoy. Welcome back to Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm really excited to meet Rob Schallenberger. How are you doing? Hey, I'm fabulous. Thank you, Ned, for doing this. And anybody who's listening to this, it says a lot about your character and who you are. So thanks, Ned, for doing this, first of all. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Right on. Yeah, fatherhood is just so important to me. And I was introduced to you by uh, our mutual friend, Thomas Blackwell. I know he is a passionate father and just raved about you, not only your success in business and life, but your passion towards your family. So I'm really excited to hear your wisdom and perspective on fatherhood. Well, you know, I'll just, knowing that we were going to do this podcast, I've been thinking a little bit more about it this morning. And, you know, I believe that our greatest responsibility next to being a husband, I'm assuming this is men listening to this. Yep. (laughs) So our greatest responsibility next to being a a husband, in my opinion, is the role of father. That's our, right up there at the very top, husband and father, two greatest responsibilities. And there was a wise man who once said, success in business won't compensate for failure in the home. Ooh. And so yes. I believe that this is one of our greatest responsibilities and we're navigating these waters together. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, Matt, I think anyone listening to this can relate to the fact that, you know, sometimes it's two step forwards and one step back and we make mistakes along the way and that's okay. That's part, you know, there's no perfect parenting book for every kid. And this is a great responsibility yet. There's no guidebook for it, you know, and right. we're all trying to navigate this together. So I just want to acknowledge that, that, you know, we're all in this to learn together. And I think that's why we're doing this podcast today. Yeah. And I think it's just so important because I think, I don't know why this is the case, but in our world where we're so kind of focused on ourselves and, and focused on independence, the, the art of us learning from somebody else. Now, hopefully you and I had great fathers and whoever's listening had a great father, but that's not always the case. You know, so this idea of guide, like I love that word to be a guide, somebody has to have shown you. And so fatherhood field notes is about, you know, you and I, what we've learned, what we can learn from each other, sharing that with others. And since there is no ultimate guidebook. I think the reason behind that is we were designed to need each other. I was, I was designed to need an older man uh, to speak into my life or to, to speak into a, a younger man's life. And so, you know, that's the beauty of the conversation and that others can just listen into what we're going to talk about because, you know, I'm here to learn from you and hopefully you'll learn something from me as we both share our perspective on fatherhood. Yeah, it's a great comment. And and I'm sure I'm positive I will learn something from you, Ned. <laughs> and <laughs> right. it, 
it's just great to be able to talk about this because, you know, anybody listening to this, I'm assuming is a father or thinking about mm-hmm. it. And one of the things that's interesting is every kid is different. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we may think we have it dialed in with one and then suddenly our other one will throw us a curveball, and we're like, wait a second, you know, that that's not what I did and that's not working anymore. So we have to flex and pivot. So, and the thing is this role never stops. I fortunately do have a great father. He's turning 70 this year and he's still integrally involved in my life. And so it's not like we say, okay, you know, they're 18, they're out of the home. Right. Check that square, baby, we're done. <laughs> this is something that is a lifelong calling for us. Yeah, which is exciting because this allows us to really look beyond our own life um, because our words and actions every day are impacting our children and our grandchildren and one day our great-grandchildren, whether we're here or not. So for people to get to know you a little bit more, I'm going to just kind of rapid fire a few questions. How old are you right now? 45, turning 45 next month. How's that? There's turning 45. <laughs> so Perfect. 44. How many years have you been married? Twenty. Two years. Wow. Three- congratulations. Yeah. That's it's awesome. Exciting. Amazing how fast it goes. Oh, yeah. And then how many kids do you have? And what are their ages? Yeah. Four kids. Oldest is 18, Robbie. I'll talk more about him in a little bit. And he just graduated from high school. He's getting ready to do a survey two year mission in Brazil. Nice. Temporarily assigned to Las Vegas until he gets his visa. Uh, and then Bella, who's 15, beautiful girl. Bella, beautiful in Spanish you know what that means there. And then Lana, who's 12 and Clara, who is 10. So boy, three girls. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I have a boy and four girls. So, so similar (laughs) right there. Um, what do you do? And I know we could talk about this for hours, but what do you do in a couple minutes for a living to provide for the family? Oh yeah. I'll just answer that question quickly. So we can focus this on our, on our fatherhood stuff. Uh, so graduated from Utah state MBA from Colorado state, Went on to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force for 11 years. So I flew F-16s, worked with Air Force One, traveling the world with Air Force One. Incredible. Uh, left that in 2011 after just, you know, an incredible time and experience there. Yeah. And then my father and I joined forces and started a company called Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. And this is really built around research focusing on great leaders and high performers and what sets apart the very best from everyone else. And we found that there are 12 principles that you see over and over in highly successful people and leaders. And so we built a training program around that. And we've had the chance to travel all over the world, training organizations and people, keynoting conferences. And it's just been amazing. It's been a huge blessing to meet so many great people around the world. And and I'll just make a side note comment here. You know, the mainstream media portrays so much negativity in the world as if there's hate everywhere. And that really is a portrayal that's not accurate because what I found is mm. there's so much good in the world too. There are so many dads yeah. who want to be great dads, you know, relating it to this podcast. Yeah. And transcends cultures, transcends countries. There's a lot of good people out there that want to do good. And so it's been a blessing to meet so many of those people. And since then, we've written several other books, developed a planning process and publishing a new book called Do What Matters Most. And that's it in about a minute and 30 seconds there. So that's that's where we're at now running this leadership and training company and, and working with organizations and people around the world. Nice. And and maybe you could just throw out a couple, you know, as you've started this business with your dad, which is incredible on its own, right? You said your dad's 70. And uh, I, I've seen some of the videos and some of the stuff you guys are doing together, which is really cool to be kind of multi-generational business family ran. Family ran. What are a couple organizations that you have, if you can mention them, that you felt, wow, this is so cool that we're coming in talking about leadership with 
these people, this organization, et cetera? Yeah. Oh, oh man, there's a bunch. There's a great company in the Philippines. Uh, we've been to South Africa many times. I have some amazing friends in South Africa. One that everyone will recognize, whether you like them or not, is the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. So about four years ago, I met Jerry Jones Jr. at a, a conference for presidents of companies that were, we did a three-hour workshop with them. And he said, Rob, I want you to coach our president and, and uh, COO. And not many people know this exists. There's a division of the Dallas Cowboys called Dallas Cowboys Merchandising. So it's a huge arm of their company, and they're the only NFL team that produces all of their merchandise. So anything oh, with wow. the Cowboys logo. In addition, they produce all the apparel for University of Texas, the Longhorns, and USC, the Trojans. And so he said, man, there's a huge opportunity, but we've got to get this right. So I had the chance to coach that year, the president of the DCM area and their COO, and then train their senior leadership team throughout the year. And at the end of the year, they said, you know, we had our best year ever. And that was a, that felt like that was a big privilege. To, yeah. I remember being in the, you know, you walk through the Cowboys locker room and, and you're just getting a personal tune. You're like, man, this place is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that was awesome. Opportunity. That, yeah. Cool places like that. Nice. Well, well done. That's incredible. Um, as you think about fatherhood and the different stages that you've been in and your son's 18 now, so you're about to step into another stage as well. What have been a couple good resources to you, either baby, toddler, elementary, middle, high school, or this transition you're in now? What has been some good resources to you? As far as when you say resources, what do you mean by resources? I mean, it could be that your dad was somebody you turned to. It could be a book that you read. It could be your, your, your wife, you know, what, what has just been something that you've really, and I'm sure all those things are true, <laughs> but as you think about it, you know, as other men are listening to this, what would you recommend to a new dad or to a dad to say, Hey, this is a great resource to pay attention okay. to. Yeah. You know, this has the potential to sound really biased and like a self plugging thing here. And I don't <laughs> want to, uh, one of the reasons why I started this company becoming your best with my father is because of the love and respect and admiration I had for him. Mm. And he had been studying, you know, this group of high performers and great leaders for decades prior to me coming out. So we knew about this long in advance that we were going to do this. It was very clear that these 12 principles started to emerge and that they were so predictive of success, transcending culture, gender, race. It didn't matter. And, you know, as I started looking at these principles, in depth, I realized right here that we had a treasure trove in front of us and that I could do a lot better as a father focusing on these principles. You know, some areas I was doing well and some areas I wasn't. And so, I mean, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Uh, principle number four amongst these 12 principles is prioritize your time. And we found in our own research that 68% of people feel like prioritizing their time is their number one challenge. Mm -hmm. And yet 80% of those same, pe same people don't have a process on how to prioritize their time and do what matters most. This was a big deal for me coming out of the Air Force. I had been gone and away from home a lot. And I was feeling that. That was one of the reasons for, you know, getting out of the Air Force and moving back to yeah. Utah and establishing some roots is because I felt like I wasn't spending the time I needed to with my kids. I, I was gone for months at a time. And that was starting to wear on me. So that's just one example. And do you mind if I elaborate on that particular principle of no. prioritizing your time? No, please. And if I can just, I'm just going to say one thing before you do is as guys, as we're listening to this right now, I think it's so important that we can look in the mirror and say, investing in myself, it's not about if you're a pastor or a CEO or a president of a company, like all those things might change throughout life. You're the only father to this family. So 
these 12 principle books, all these kind of, you might say self-help books or books that help you become a better person. It's so important for you to do that for you and your family. Like that's your legacy. And so I think when we start to hear, okay, well, 12 principles, that's really written for a business owner. No, that guy might sell that business or might not be at that business. You're the only dad this family has. So for you to pick up books like this and invest in yourself like this for your role as a father is crucial and critical. So I just want to kind of preface it with that because I think this stuff is not just for the CEO. Oh, not absolutely not. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's exactly right, Ned. And for each one of us, right? It doesn't matter where right. we've been. It doesn't right. matter who we've been, title or whatever. The question is, who are we right now and where are we going and what habits are we developing? Mm-hmm. Uh, since you brought up the reading, I'll just support what you're saying right there. There's, a, there's an acronym we use, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out, or greatness in, greatness out. Mm, I like it. What are we putting into our brains? Garbage or greatness? Because whatever we put in is what we can expect out. We want to be great fathers. We better not be sitting in front of the TV six hours a day putting garbage in. Uh, and reading books is one of the best ways. Listening to podcasts, one of the best ways. Attending a seminar, a conference, whatever. Your comment, and I love the words invest. Investing in yourself, you know, rather than it being an expense. Yeah. 43% of college graduates will never read another book the rest of their life. That's wild. Isn't that crazy to think about? And that is one of the greatest predictive habits of high performance is simply reading. Hmm. And so I, I, I just agree with you. Uh, as dads, this journey never stops. And so reading books is a huge way to keep our minds engaged of saying, what can we do to be better? So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So let me just pause and go back to that principle of principle number four of the 12, yeah. which prioritize your time. Because I know that this is an, an issue for a lot of people, right? Time. Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how, to, how do you prioritize your time and do what matters most? And so I've been using a process that we've honed in, and this is one of the things we teach in our seminars called pre-week planning. And I've been doing this, like I mentioned, for about 22 years now. And I can't tell you what my life would be like if you took this process out of my life. It would literally mm-hmm. fall apart. So maybe I could just share a quick story about this, Ned. Would that be all right? This, this, yeah. this is impromptu. It's off the cuff. This was not planned. It's just a great question on your part. So pre-week planning, here's how simple this process is. is We invite people to sit down somewhere between Friday afternoon and Sunday evening. Look at their vision and goals, which is a different top yeah. conversation. So look at their vision and goals. And then go through this process of pre-week planning, which involves this. After reviewing your vision and goals, step one. Step two is what are your roles? So father, husband, you know, manager, sales rep, whatever your job is, and personal. And then add any other roles you want. So five to seven roles. What are the most important hats that you wear in your life? And then having a personal brainstorm with yourself and saying, well, what really matters most this week in that role? Hmm. And then finding a time to it. And it seems so simple. You look at it, you're like, well, that's easy. Well, it's simple, but it's not easy because it takes a huge discipline to sit down for 20 or 30 minutes every weekend and do pre-week planning. The weeks we do, though, and I'll bring this up on this podcast because I think it's so important. And you asked me what tools have had a big impact. Honestly, if you if you really looked at my life, I would say pre-week planning has had the number one greatest impact on, wow. on my relationship with my kids. Because it's prioritizing what matters most and it's scheduling our priorities rather than prioritizing our schedule. In other words... You know, we could go through and just let life hit us or we can, there's a, there's an adage I heard once we can lead a life by design or we can live a life by default Mm. Three week planning when it's in alignment with our vision and goals helps us lead a life by design and intentionally ask ourselves in the role of father this week, 
what can I specifically do with each of my children? And I'll give you an example of how specifically and uh, of how simple some of these specific items can be. It was like two years ago, I was flying out somewhere to do, you know, a keynote somewhere. And under the role of father that week, I had write a note to Lana. That's my, you know, daughter, kid number three. And so I wrote a little note to her just telling her how much I loved her and left it on her bed. Flew out. And then the next day I was coming home on the plane and I wish I had a little screenshot I could put up for you here. It was like 7.30 p.m. in Detroit. I'm flying back to Salt Lake. and I knew it was going to be late. When I got home, it was going to be dark. And my wife texted me a picture and she said, Lana snuck in and put this picture on our headboard, but I know it's going to be dark when you get home and you won't see it. So I didn't want you to miss it. And it said, Dad, thank you so much for the note. It means the world. I love you more than all the jelly beans in the world and even to the moon map. That's just crying. <laughs> I'm sure the person next to me is like, what's wrong, man? Uh, and the whole point of this is how long did it take to write that initial note to Lana? You know, it took seconds. Yeah. And for me, it probably wouldn't have happened had I not consciously thought about it as part of my pre-week planning and said, you know, write a note to Lana. And to her, it meant the world. And it started this back and forth of note writing. Mm. And, and, and here's the last, you mind if I take 30 more seconds to share oh, one? This, is, on this is what we're doing. And yeah, please. Pre-week planning, we just mapped this out in, in some research. And this is why if there's just one thing I could share that's really been beneficial to me, this would be it. A person who does pre-week planning for the very first time will on average plan about 24 activities during the week or to-dos or weekly goals, whatever, across all their roles. So personally, exercise, reading, each of those would be one, for example. Yeah. You add them all up, you come up with about 24 is the average for a first week. The average person will accomplish 13 of those in the first week. Fast forward four to five weeks later, the average person is planning about 42 activities during the week and accomplishing an average of 33. That's incredible. This, this drove, this is where I'll finish. This changed my whole thinking on this about a month ago when we actually added up the numbers. So a person who's doing pre-week planning will accomplish 20 to 30 more meaningful activities a week than someone who doesn't. Over the course of a month, that's between 80 to 120 additional activities in a year. That's more than a thousand additional activities. And in 40 years, that's 40,000 additional meaningful activities that a person likely otherwise wouldn't have done just winging it going through the week. And if every one of those activities is something meaningful as a father, as a parent personally, what's the impact of that over the course of a lifetime? It's incredible. It's incredible. But I think it's so important how you just explained that, because I think a lot of people I've, I've gotten the question, you know, cause I'm a goal setter and it's like, aren't you defeated? Aren't you discouraged when you don't hit your goals? And you go, well, in, in some instance, like you're saying, the goal isn't necessarily the, the, the total outcome. It's if I set these, these things up for myself, one, I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't have stopped and pre-week planned, right? And so I did 13. I might have scheduled 24, but I did 13 and I wouldn't have done any, most likely if I hadn't done it. So you got to look at the positive of it. Like you're saying, I just did 40,000 things over my lifetime instead of, you know, sometimes we could be negative, the 100, you know, whatever the number is, things I didn't do, <laughs> right? Because add that 40,000 to that list if you didn't do any of this pre-week planning, right? Yeah, and if, and if you're... If you're the type of personality that loves to check things off a list and you feel this necessity to check every single box, I just say, you know, you've got to mentally give yourself permission not to have to worry about that. The fact yeah. that you're even doing half of these compared to the person who's not, what's the impact? And, you right. know, it, our coaching clients, whatever, will ask, you know, sh to your point, Ned, should I be accomplishing every one of these? No. 
if a person's doing 70% of what they came up with in the pre-meet planning, great week. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We're never going to accomplish them all because, you know, assuming we put effort into it, because things are going to pop up during the week. We'll have to flex and move things around. So even, even accomplishing 60 or 70%, what's the impact over the course of a lifetime? All those numbers I shared with you are assuming a 60 to 70% completion rate out of the yeah. pre-planned activities. Wow. Wow. And I just got to say, um, you know, you are a high performing or high performer running, running a, a company doing these, we would look and say extraordinary things, right? The example you gave of writing a note to your daughter is such a beautiful example because those are the things that our kids are really going to remember. And it doesn't matter how much you make, uh, how much time you have, where you live, something like that. Any Buddy can do that. Anybody can write a note to their daughter, right? Or, and and for a father to do that with his daughter is incredible. So I love that example because it's not the, yeah, I had a goal to save and take my family to Hawaii. And, and then I finally just pulled the trigger to do it, um, you know, whatever. That's great too. But it's the little things day in and day out that we can do intentionally that are really going to uh, forge those deep relationships that we want to have with our with our families. Um, so fantastic resource. So I'm going to I'm going to jump to a couple other things. When you think of the father, what is the role of the father in a few words? Ooh, yeah. Mentor. Guide. Steward. Um leader in the home. Uh, those are a few words that come to mind. Obviously, yeah, and it's one of the toughest roles that there could ever be. Far, di- far more difficult to be a father than it is to be a CEO or any other thing like that. Yeah. What's incredible about all those words is you said guide, leader, mentor. If that's true, then you are being irresponsible if you're not investing in yourself. Good, good, good point. <laughs> right. So if we just kind of say, yeah, I, I did my high school, I did my college, that's all my learning. And it's just what somebody else decided I needed to know. No. What is it that you want to know? What is it that you feel like you need to know? Where do you want to grow and increase so that you are in a position to lead your family? You know, and I do think we can get caught up in, in content, 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 but pick some things and decide where you want to grow. Yeah. It- you know, that's exactly it. And none of us are perfect, right, Ned? We all have no. plenty of things. You look behind the curtains, we all have things that right. I could be a far better listener. You know, I could be way more patient as a father. Uh, however, we also know there's certain things that work across the board. These right. 12 principles as an example. And, you know, if you think of each one of us, each one of us have a current capacity. And it's not good or healthy to compare. This is about our mm. individual journey of becoming our individual best. And so we have this capacity and that capacity is comprised of a mindset and a skill set. So every one of us right now has a certain mindset where we are and we have a certain skill set that we're running our life and leading our life with. I love what you said. I've never heard anyone say it like that. And, and I, I don't even think I can repeat it. A, a person who's not investing them in themselves. Say that again. I just said it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible. I love the way you said that because we have the capacity or we have the ability to grow our capacity in an individual level. Every one of us, if we choose to stay stagnant, that's our choice. And it's our responsibility as a father. And I'm talking as much to myself as anyone here to grow our mindset of what's what we're capable of and our skill set. How can we be a better father? What are our blind spots that we're not currently seeing? And this is where I'll give another compliment to your listeners. The fact that they're listening to this podcast of yours says a lot about who they are already. And the fact that their willingness to grow and develop, I mean, the, 
just by virtue of listening to this podcast, it's a good glimpse in, inside, you know, their mindset, which is awesome. And it's a big compliment to all. Yeah, I think that's important for you to say, because you started off, you know, in some time in that, in that, what you just said, you said, it's not good to compare ourselves. Right. But if I'm listening, I might feel like, Oh my goodness, I'm not, I'm not working on my skill set. I'm not working. Yes, you are. You're listening yeah. to this. Like you are doing it right now. So don't compare yourself to me. Don't compare yourself <laughs> to Rob. Don't come. Also though, I would say the expectations for fathers is so low in our world. <laughs> don't compare yourself to the idiot dad next door and just say, Hey, you know what? Amen. I at least hang out with my kid for five minutes a week. I'm better than that guy. You know, Amen. you don't want to compare yourself to him either, which this leads me into, you know, this next question is this is fatherhood field notes. You're already sharing your field notes. You're, you're sharing your life, your wisdom with us. The, the mantra is rebel and create. And this was really born um, to me in 2015 and that I want to rebel against the status quo. And I want to create the life, the legacy, the family that I know that I was designed to do. So as you've thought or as you've been talking, what is something that you're rebelling against um, and what do you hope to create out of that? That's a great question. And so Ned sent me a, a questionnaire yesterday and, and this is one of the questions he asked is, what's something you've rebelled against? And I put, I'm not sure because <laughs> I wasn't sure what he meant by that. And, and he's clarified that and, and I thought about it for a few minutes and there was a very clear answer that emerged actually. And I don't know about you listening to this as a father. Each of my kids are very different from each other. And my oldest, my son, has the ability to get under my skin and push buttons like nobody else in the world can do. You know, I'm a pretty in-control guy of my emotions. I can take just about anything. That's the fighter pilot side. There's very few people who can get under my skin and push my buttons. My son is one of those few people that has the ability <laughs> to do that. <laughs> he has a gift. He has a gift, and, and he can use it well. And, you know, so it's funny. There's a couple things. And, you know, going into the 18th year, that's tough anyway because – it's tough for them. It's tough for the parent because right. they're getting to the point where they're independent. They, they want to spread their wings. Yet in many cases, they're still living at home. They're finishing their senior year of high school. And it's this kind of this weird time where they're, they're, they're ready to get out. You know, it's the eagle leaving the nest. Yet they're still under our roof, if you will. And so there can be this mixing and it can be a fun time as well as a tough time. And so there's this thought that came to mind. I was talking with my brother-in-law. I was talking with my wife quite a bit. It had been a rough month just overall because he, he, he pushed my buttons a few different times. And, and I was thinking, man, it's driving me crazy. <laughs> and, and I realized I need to, there's this, there's this term I heard and I really coined this and adopted it and thought about it a lot, throwing away the script. Hmm. And I thought, what creates frustration? Well, we talk about this in the employee category all the time. You know, when a coworker has a certain expectation and the other coworker has a certain expectation, if those aren't aligned, there's frustration in the middle because, oh, so-and-so said they were going to do this. They didn't do it. So-and-so is thinking in their mind, well, they were going to give me this resource. They didn't do it. Both people are frustrated. Right. Well, in our minds with our children, even with our spouses, many times we have this pre-imagined script. And when someone doesn't follow that script, it can lead to frustration. And there's a healthy balance, in my opinion, as a father, between creating expectations versus letting them live their own life. So I do think it's healthy to have expectations as long as they know that our love is not contingent upon them meeting those expectations. Mm, and that's, that's a good. challenge. Easy to say, yes. not easy to say, not so easy to do, mm -hmm. uh, especially if they're going a different direction from our expectations, from our script. Uh, so I do think it's healthy to have expectations, but having said that they still need to live their life and they're not going to meet all of our expectations. At least 
I tend to have fairly high expectations and you know, he's just not going to do that. I, I probably don't live up to my own expectations if I was to really look at it. So with my oldest, you know, I need to put it in context. He's a sharp kid. He got accepted to BYU. He got an ROTC scholarship. He's going to either be a fighter pilot or a surgeon. He's on the football team, the ski team. He plays the piano. He played in Carnegie Hall. You know, you look on the outside, he's a sharp kid. But here I am. I see him every day as a father. And I'm like, look at this. He's being lazy right now. He's doing this. Oh, and this will get into, there's one other thing I want to bring up on this podcast that's had a big, deep impact yeah. for me personally, Ned. But this kind of all leads to it, this throwing away the script. So I had this script in my mind of what it would look like for him. He's going to wear a watch. He's going to be punctual. Well, what does he like to do? Hey, if it starts at nine, I'll show up at 9.05. Now the fighter pilot in me says, you know, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. <laughs> and so that was frustrating. My script was, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. Simple thing, but it's amazing how that would eat under my skin. We show up at church. He shows up at 9.05. Is that a... The reality is, I mean, let's step back and look at this. Is that going to affect his outcome in life? No, but it was driving me crazy at the time. I had this pre-written script in my mind. Uh, so, you know, blah, 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 all these things that I had scripted out internally, my script. And when he's not living my script, it's really frustrating from a parental perspective. And so I remember being about at my wits end because yeah. he's not, you know, my script. <laughs> and I remember praying. And I don't know where people are at, you know, spiritual beliefs on this or not, but my personal belief is I'm very, I know there's a God and I felt his direction and influence many, many, many times throughout my life. It's undeniable. And so I remember kind of being at my wits end and taking this to him and saying, all right, I can't do this. I need help here. <laughs> and I, I had this very profound insight, Ned, and I, and I believe it was a really revelatory, inspiring experience for me. And it, it gave me an anchor for which I could lead the next six months of my life. And I've mm. gone back to this over and over. And here's what I felt. I felt this. He was my son before he was your son. Mm. And this is the other direction I got. You, Rob, just focus on loving him. I've got this. That's powerful. I have not forgotten those words. And they have over and over, I've had to come back to him because, again, you know, hey, he's doing this. That's not going to help him be successful. Hey, you know what? He needs to learn. We learn from failure. We all have. None of us are perfect. I made some dumb mistakes in high school and I learned a lot from them. Yeah. And over and over, I've gone back to, he was my son before he was your son. You just focus on loving him. That's what you can do. Love him. I've got this. And I think it's just so powerful because as you and I are talking and yes, we're the guide. Yes. We're the mentor. Yes. We're the leader. Those are all important things. Um, but sometimes we can dive into that because because we're visual and it's very easy for me to know if my kid was there at nine or nine Oh five. So there's, it's easy for me to pick on those things. And it's almost just a relief to say, Hey, you know what? It's important to have high expectations, but at the end of the day, you need to love this kid. And I love how you said that is have high expectations, but re love them regardless. Like the way that you're treating them, the way that you're interacting with them can't be determined based on their outward, you know, performance, you know, and that's really hard, especially when you're, you know, a man working in business, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think that's such a great reminder from God to, to remind you, hey, yes, I want you to teach them. Yes, I want you to guide them. But first, I want you to love them. That's it. So throw away the script. Mm. You know, we, it's not easily done. It's easy said. It's easy to say. It's not easy to do. Throw away the script. Set the high expectations. So, I mean, they, they know that we expect some people yeah. will rise to that occasion or maybe they won't. 
either way, but they know that our love is not contingent upon them meeting those expectations. And if they don't meet them and if they go a different direction, that's okay. You know, I say it's okay. It's not easy to do, but we need to mentally throw away that script and, you know, come back to the same thing. He's got this. Yeah. So as you, as you share all that, you know, and I think about it in just kind of a rebel and create standpoint, it's like you're rebelling against the script and, and you're also in this transition realizing that your son is going to go live on his own and have to live his own life. And so you're rebelling against the script because it's more important to you to one, do the role that you feel like God's called you to in loving your kiddos, but then also you want to have a relationship with your son, you know? And so you don't want to let those things ruin, ruin that relationship. To use those words, rebel and create for years, I was trying to, you know, a fighter pilot, we love control. Everything we try to operate in a sphere of control. And if something gets outside of our control, I don't like it. Uh, You know, that's the fighter pilot world. Well, with children, we can't control them. They're not robots. Right. And so the rebel part was, I'm going to control them. You know, they're going to do what my expectations are to do, my script. That wasn't working. It was creating creating friction. It was creating uh, hard feelings. And I just kept trudging along doing the same thing. And it wasn't until I threw away that script to shift to the other word, create. I say, you know, I've got to quit rebelling here and not following the plan. The plan is that we all have agency. Mm. And we've got to allow people their agency. And, and so that creating that new frame, that new mindset, if you will, using that word, that new mindset really has shifted me as a father. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's, pl- yeah. it's plenty hard to do, but it really had a deep impact. Mm. So good. So good. Well, we're going to wrap up here in, in a little bit. I have a final question, but before we do, is there any other stories that come to mind or anything around fatherhood um, or even with some of the tools that you have, you know, in your 12 principles that if you were speaking to a father, right, I came to you and I said, Hey, I'm about to have my first kid, or I have a couple little kids and, and, you know, you've, you've had some experience. What are a couple of things that you might share with them as important um, that would help guide them as, as they're really embracing this idea that they are a father? Yeah. So a couple of things, and I don't want to sound like I'm self-promoting our book here, <laughs> but you know, these 12 principles, regardless of whether it was us that wrote it or someone else that found it, are so powerful and predictive of success. I would invite mm-hmm. everyone to go out and get the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders, because leadership starts individually and, like you mentioned, in our home as fathers. Yes. And these principles are principles like this, and they seem so simple. But the reality is if we look at ourselves internally, our lives, you say, wait a second. <laughs> uh, there are principles like this. Be true to character. Lead with a vision, manage the plan, prioritize your time, build and maintain trust, be an effective communicator. In other words, really listening. So as you keep going through all these principles, you're like, oh man, how much room for improvement is there in that area? So I'll just give you an example. Having a written personal vision, only one to 3% of people have a written personal vision. And how powerful would that be as a father in the role of father, if we could develop a vision for what our role as father looks like. And then as our kids start to grow older, helping them see what their vision is, helping them develop a vision for their life and write it down. So powerful. Yeah. So how would you, how would somebody go about writing a vision for their, for themselves? Right. Because I think even just putting that on the the task of, okay, this week, um, I'm going to write a vision for my life and I'm going to do it uh, Tuesday at three (laughs) o'clock. So then you sit down with a blank sheet of paper. And I think sometimes that's just crippling for somebody. Right. So then they just don't do it because they don't want it to be wrong. 
You know what? I, it, the answer to that question, since we're getting close on time, is about a 10-minute answer, Ned. Okay. Uh, there are four questions that I suggest people ask themselves and then take those four questions, divide your life into your different roles that matter most, use empowering words within each of those roles, and then ask yourself, is it meaningful and does it give you direction? So and will you give us the four questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and here's probably the, even the better. I'll give you the four questions now. It's not a secret. Uh, is go to our website, becomingyourbest.com. And there's a free pop-up assessment where you can take an assessment. We call it the personal productivity assessment. And it will tell you where you're really strong and areas where maybe there's room for improvement. We all have them, right? Awesome. We have room okay, to have areas great. For improvement. So go to becomingyourbest.com, take the assessment. You'll get a follow-up email with a five-day challenge. In that five-day challenge, we have a 20-minute video for each day as well as an assignment for that day. So on day one, it is exactly this. It's develop a written personal vision. Day two is developing roles and goals. Day three is pre-week planning. Day four is a six-step process. And day five is uh, the habits that will lead to a long, healthy, peaceful life. Uh, but you got to take the assessment first. You've got to yeah. see where you're at. That's the starting point. Uh, the four questions are this. In 10 to 20 years, where do you want to be and what are some things you want to have accomplished? Number two, think of a mentor or influencer who's had a positive impact in your life. What are the characteristics, traits, and attributes that you admire about those people or persons? That's a great question. That is a they great have, question. They don't have to be alive. They can be dead. They can be people from history, Christ, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, whoever. Uh, number three is in 50 years from today, how do you hope other people will look back, think of, and describe you, whether you're alive or dead? When they talk about Ned, what will they say? And then lastly, in your home, in your community, and in the world, what are some things that you would like to improve? Hmm. And the thing about a vision, it doesn't have to change the world. It just has to change your world, our world, individually. Yeah, yeah. And that's the power in having a personal vision. Uh, so good. Simple, hard to do, but simple, right, to sit down. And I think if you're listening to this, go do the assessment Take the five-day challenge, sit down and ask yourself those questions. And this isn't, uh, you have to do this for the rest of your life, meaning like whatever you write down, you're stuck to. Right. I personally, once a year, I evaluate that and go, is this still how I feel? Is this still what I'm working towards? And so then over time, it becomes much easier. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's my last question for you. Say in 20 years, you're standing outside, out on the street, looking, peering through the windows of your four children. Okay, so... They all are neighbors. <laughs> You're peering through the windows and you are going to see the legacy that you left. So they might not be saying, oh, my dad showed us. So we're living this way. But you're going to know based on seeing how they're living their lives, that your words and your actions today shaped what you see through that window. What is it that you hope to see through that window? What's the legacy? Well, it's funny because we just got done talking about a vision and mm -hmm. I have a vision in the role of father. And it's funny because you mentioned, you know, I, you look at it once a year. And say, is that still it? And, and that's exactly, a vision should serve as an internal guide. And we know when we're in alignment with it and we know when we're out of line, alignment with it. And I'll just share part of my vision in the role of father. And it's that I am a gentleman in thought and deed. I'm the type of person who I want my daughters to marry. Hmm. I focus on helping them achieve their fullest potential in life and seeing what they're capable of. The other day, I, I listened a lot less than I should have. I was like, hey, just go do this. It, every day is almost two steps forward, one step back. At the end of the day, I say, man, I could have done that better. I could have mm -hmm. done that better. And I'll just use one example. Bella, my number two, is an amazing girl. She wrote a book called, uh, I mentioned this to you, A to Z, The Best in You and Me. 
And if anybody wants to check this out, it's a cool book. You can have an awesome conversation with your son or daughter. Bellasbook.net. It's a cool thing. She's very sensitive. Like I don't even have to raise my voice. And she thinks I've raised my voice. Right. With my son, I could hit him over the head with a two by four to get his attention, but not the same with her. You know, even a slight raise of the voice and she'll just withdraw internally. Hmm. And I've got to be so cautious because, you know, I have a pretty strong personality and can, and can come across strong. And so the reason I say that is because when I want them to look back, I want them to know that they had someone who loved them unconditionally and who was there to support them no matter what came up in their life and who also pushed them forward to see new things that they were capable of. And using that bar as my standard, that means I have a lot of areas to improve. I need to be a better listener. You know, as a father, I need to be more gentle with Bella specifically because she's so sensitive. And having that vision internally is a daily guide. I have it memorized and I know when I'm out of alignment with it. Same with Mm. role of husband. My vision, my role of husband, I am a kind and caring husband who always helps Tanya feel like a 10. I'm totally faithful in thought and action and I constantly strive to compliment her, serve her and be the husband of her dreams. Well, I wish that's how it went every day, <laughs> but it's not. And, and when it's not, that's when we come back to that vision. So rather than focus on the problem and the negative, we shift the playing field of the vision. And so to answer your question, I would hope that I could be the kind of father that I just described right there. Yeah. You know, that they knew he, I love them, had their backs, was there to support them, help push them to achieve their fullest potential. But th- my love wasn't contingent upon them doing this or that. That's a high bar to set for any one of us. In the end, I hope that, you know, God being the ultimate judge can look and say, you, you know, you did your very best. Yeah. You made mistakes, but you did yeah. your very best. It wasn't for lack of effort or trying. Mm. Man, Rob, thank you so much. This has been so incredible. Um, thank you for the way that you love your spouse and love your kids. It impacts my world. You know, it impacts each and every one of us for generations to come. So the way that you're living your life is inspirational um, and not just in our country, but globally, the way that you are influencing um, humanity to really become their best. So thank you for all that you do and continue uh, to do that. Uh, And uh, where can people find you? If you could just say one last time, uh, the website. Yeah. You know, the website, just our company website is becomingyourbest.com. Okay. I'll just give you a couple real quick. I mentioned pre-week planning. For those that want a review of really the in-depth look at pre-week planning, we created a website called preweekplanning.com. Okay. That is, is such a powerful habit. It's such a game changer in my life. And then becomingyourbest.com is where you can take that free assessment. It is, it is such a great starting point just to say, you know, here are my strengths, here are my areas of improvement and, and, a, and a direction and a place to start. Yeah. Uh, and let me just throw off. Oh, go ahead. I, no, yeah. Those are probably the two best places. And so I just want to throw this out real quick as well, which is just a, a cool point to point out about you, Rob, and then and then we'll end, is we didn't set this up to talk about your book. We didn't set this up to talk about preweekplanning.com. We didn't set this up to talk about 12 principles, right? We came to talk about fatherhood. But the cool thing is, is you're living your life both in business and in your daily world with the same character, the same principles, the same values. So your book applies to your fathering. Your business applies to the way that you're loving your family. And so that's why these tools have come up because you've created these tools for CEOs and corporations and businesses, but they also apply to a father leading his family. And so just they just came out naturally because these are great tools. And so guys, I just say, go get the book, go check out the website, go take advantage of, of some of these tools. Can I share one thought on that, Ned? Yeah, please. 
you know, you use the example of CEOs and managers, and that's all true. That's that's exactly right. I'll go back to where we started, though. You know, that quote where it said success in business won't compensate for failure in the home. Hmm. I would 10 times rather hear that someone use the habits of pre-week planning and roles and goals and vision and all of that to impact their role at home as a father and as a husband versus what it did in the workplace. So I've heard yeah. great workplace stories. The ones, though, that are the most impactful are the ones about what's happened in the home. And actually, could I just share one really quick final story yeah. that'll take less than one minute? We were with the, and I mean, this illustrates the point because these are the stories that have a generational impact. You know, work, work's gonna come and go. People will all be replaced in our work at some point. It doesn't mean it won't have an impact, but we'll all be replaced. Like you said, father, there's one father. And, and that's what it is. So we were with the executives of Pepsi and we were talking about pre-week planning and we had them all develop their roles this guy wrote in the role of father. He's like 60 years old, you know, kind of graying hair, clearly older, kids out of the home. And he wrote in the role of father, call my son. Hmm. And we asked him, well, why is that a big deal? You know, great. Call my son. That's awesome. Why? And he said, because seven years ago, my son and I got into an argument. We haven't talked since. Wow. And we're like, whoa. So we asked him, when are you going to do it? Wednesday at seven o'clock. Great. So six months later, we were back with the same team and we asked this gentleman, did you call your son? And he said something along the lines of, you know, I was scared to death to make the call because, you know, seven years. Is my son even going to talk with me? I think we can relate. And then he went on to say, I picked up the phone and I made the call. And it was amazing because as soon as we started talking, we couldn't even remember what we had argued about seven years prior. And now wow. we talk and we're best friends. And it even got crazier. He said, I found out on that call, I had two grandchildren who I didn't know existed. <sighs> like, what? And, uh, so you talk about pre-week planning alone in his own words. He said, you know, I knew every morning I knew I need to make that call. But the very next thought was, well, I'll just do it next week. You know, mm. and those days just tend not to show up. And it wasn't until he sat down in pre-week planning, wrote down the role of father. What will I do this week that he actually made the call? And how many times do we have things like that in our lives? And so I just want to second your comment there that the success stories that I hear in the home for me are far more impactful because I believe yeah. they carry an eternal weight to them. And so these are where, this is where it really counts. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. I'm so glad that that story popped in your head. Um, cause I just think it's so good for people to hear because there are these things that we think we want to do and really it's, can be a prison like that guy waking up every day thinking yeah. about, I need to make that call. Like what a prison to be living in and the freedom that it gave him and not only the freedom, but the, the relationship. So Rob, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on fatherhood. I look forward to following you and just continuing to watch what uh, you do out in the world. Well, thank you, Ned. And thank you everyone listening. So nice to meet you and visit. We could talk for hours. It yeah. seems like so. It was, it, thank you, Ned. Man, that was such a great conversation with Rob. I really enjoyed it. It's been a couple of weeks since we met. And as I re-listened to it and thought about how I have implemented some things over the past couple of weeks is I changed my planning for the week. I loved plan, but I had never done it based on starting from what is my role, such as I'm a father, I'm a husband, I am a business owner, and then have a clarifying statement of what I want that to mean. So what he talked about has already been uh, really impacting my weeks, really enjoyed that, really, really good. And just what an all-around rad dude. So hey, every Monday I put out a Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads as we just listened to. But if you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It falls under the same Rebel and Create 
but it's called Craft of Fatherhood, where I discuss a question a father either emails to me or comes up during the week in conversation. So you can email me any kind of question around fatherhood, and I may not know the answer, probably not, but I'd love to talk about it. So email me, ned at rebelandcreate.com. Hey, I have a goal, and I need your help. I put a ton of energy, time, into the podcast because I think it is a great tool for us men to learn and grow together as we are mastering the craft of fatherhood. But my goal is to hit a hundred reviews on iTunes. I think I'm at 28 right now. So that's a lofty goal. And I want to do it by my 100th podcast, which is going to be at the end of October. So seriously, I need your help right now. The reason it's important is when other dudes are searching for parenting, marriage, fatherhood, I want the Rebel and Create podcast to pop up first because I just believe these stories these men are sharing is powerful. So take a minute, write a review. It would help spread the word that fatherhood matters. So thank you. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do truly matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time.